hour of Flames Talk. It is Friday, March 31st. Look at that. The final day of March. Steinberg and look at Darren Vickers along with us as well. Hi, A.V. Hey, buddy. What's going on? Not much. Not much. And here we are. It's, It's a Friday. And we've got a massive weekend ahead in the Western Conference playoff race. You can get us on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, wherever you get your podcasts. Happy Friday for the Flames. Have four points on the table this weekend. Friday and Sunday, the Winnipeg Jets have four points on the table Friday and Sunday. So on Sunday night at like around 8.30 p.m., the Flames could be two points up on the Jets, could be six points back of the Jets, or any number in between. Because there's a a potential eight-point swing either way and all the permutations in between. They could close the gap. They could be further back. They could be exactly where they are right now, and that's two back. It's unlikely that it would go to the extreme. Like, it's unlikely that the Jets will be six up. And I, I feel like it's unlikely that the Flames would be four uh, two ahead, but I guess not completely out of the question the way things are going. But that's what we're looking at. Flames are in Vancouver Friday, home to Anaheim Sunday. Jets are home to Detroit Friday and home to New Jersey on Sunday. Flames have won three of their last four. That's put them in this position. And so we've got a, uh, this is the second last weekend of Calgary season. One more weekend after this one, less than two weeks to go, and seven games remaining in the regular season. Well, when you put it like that, it, uh, time flies when you're it's having fun. It's upon us, my friend. Season-defining few days, is that fair to say? As you mentioned, Flames play Friday and Sunday. Jets I don't play know. Friday and I Sunday. honestly don't know because, you know, that's only two games. What if it's exactly the same thing? And it's win one, lose one for both teams, and they're still still too bad. Like, doesn't that feel like the most likely scenario for you, just based on what you know about both teams right now? Doesn't that seem like the like likely outcome? Uh, it kind of feels like it. Um, and and yet, I I do like the way the Flames are trending a little bit better than I do the way the Jets yes. are trending. But trends are really like it, they, the the. The past 20 games for Winnipeg or the past eight games for Calgary don't necessarily mean that that's what's going to happen in the final seven games. So, yes, I can absolutely see why you'd be like, isn't the most likely scenario that come Monday when we're kicking off uh, Flames talk that it's still two points and now five games to go, which means it could be a season defining weekend and it could be. Just a, another weekend that plays some sort of a part in this whole thing. Well, and what's funny is if you just go to the last 10 for both teams, the Winnipeg Jets are 5-5-0, five, five and oh, the Calgary Flames are 5-3-2. and two. So in the last 10 games as a total, one-eighth of the season, the Flames have gained two points on the Winnipeg Jets. So as much as the Jets are spiraling and panicking, and as rightly they should be based on where they were January 18th when they were at the top of the Western Conference, it's still a situation where, well, yes, Calgary's played better of late, but they haven't really closed that gap significantly. Yes, they're down six. Now they're down two. But what's funny to me is they could technically move into a tie with the Winnipeg Jets by end of day Friday. 
Jets hold the tiebreaker, so technically they still retain the spot. They have more regulation wins, more regulation and overtime wins, so they still hold the first two wild cards. But by end of day Friday, both of these teams could be sitting at exactly the same amount of points through exactly the same amount of games played, and to me, that's just wild. Could be, and we'll see how it all plays out. Um, I do like the way the Flames are trending. They've won three of their last four, which has put them in this position or help put them in this position because the Jets have also allowed this position to materialize. And the the three wins in four games comes after what could have been a total white flag moment. And that was the 8-2 loss uh, about 10 days ago in Los Angeles, a little more than 10 days ago. That 8-2 loss, and I remember sitting here talking the next day on the Tuesday and talking about how, boy, I did not like the body language. I did not like the fight. I did not like how easy it was for them to completely get bulldozed and run over. And I was worried about the next, I guess at that time, the next 11 games or whatever was left in the season. Yeah, I guess it would have been 11. Um, And since that time, they responded well the next night in Anaheim, but it's the Ducks. They come home. They were flattish, but not bad against Vegas and a good Golden Knights team who has clinched a playoff spot. Uh, They beat them on home ice. And since that time, wins over the Sharks and obviously that really impressive win over the LA Kings. And and here we are. So good on the Flames for not allowing that 8-2 loss in Los Angeles to be that white flag moment. Good on them for not allowing that to be kind of the final punch in the gut that gets him to roll over or or not get up off the mat. And then listen to this from Elliot Friedman. This is from Friday's Jeff Merrick show, available wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, listen to what Elliot had to say right around that same time. And it, it certainly leads to an interesting conversation. I think after they lost that game to the Kings, that was about the same time that our podcast came out where I talked about Cogri being yep. vocal about his frustration. Yeah. And I heard that, that some of the players were like, okay, enough's enough. There's, there's, too, much, there, there's too much of this this year. Um, people, you know, complaining, people being upset. And maybe you have a right to be upset, Jeff, but we've got to stop. Like, we have a chance here to make the playoffs, to save our season, to get ourselves going, and that's what we have to be concerned about. And, you know, they've won three out of four, and they've given themselves a chance here. Um, you know, they still have, they need help. Like they they do not have control of their destiny, but they've kind of said for a little while here, we're putting all this stuff behind us and we're concentrating on winning games. So that was Elliot Friedman on the Jeff Merrick show Friday available wherever you get your podcasts. Of course, Elliot on the Merrick show every day, Monday to Friday. And I noticed it after the Vegas loss. The first time that I noticed, because obviously wasn't in California for the two games, so they play in in L.A. Monday, Anaheim Tuesday. They come home. They lose the Thursday against Vegas. And I remember one week ago today, sitting in whatever row I am in seat 14 at the Scotiabank Saddledome watching practice. I always sit I'm always. i 16 on the other side. And I'm always seat 14 on the second last row in the, in the lower bowl watching practice. Um... And I remember sitting there watching practice. I'm like, you know what? For a team that just fell six back of the playoffs with nine games remaining, they look pretty upbeat. They are smiling. They're chirping. They're talking. It was a talkative, upbeat practice. Daryl Sutter was upbeat following uh, following the media session. It just it, uh, it it felt it felt like okay. Good on this group. I don't know. Like they're they're at that point. You're like, yeah, they're probably not going to go to the playoffs. But good on them for 
going out of their way to keep things light, keep things positive. And, and that was the first time that I noticed it. I was like, man, that's, that's important. I don't know how it's going to end, but if there's going to be any chance for them to make up ground on the Jets and make these last nine games all meaningful or all of them uh, close to all of them meaningful, they're going to have to avoid letting it get too negative. They're going to have to avoid dragging their tails. They're going to have to avoid being gloomy and grumpy. They're going to have to go out of their way to be positive. And you hear that from Elliot where there is kind of a, okay, players only, enough of this, enough of the, the media snipping, enough of anything going inside the locker room, any fractures, let's seal them for now and let's say F it and let's go play and see what happens. And it's only three wins in four and they're only two points out. Like regardless, they're not where they want to be, but I give them a lot of credit for, for not rolling over and, and not letting Monday's last Monday's loss in LA be kind of that final nail. And since that time, they've been able to make up some ground and, and they've played some pretty decent hockey and are maybe coming off their best game of the season Tuesday against L.A. So I first caught wind of, of this from Elliot through the 32 Thoughts column that he had, and you pulled the audio from it. And in the 32 Thoughts column, he writes, no more whining publicly or privately. So a little bit ironic that, yeah, we're going to lock everything up, but then this trickles out how they're not going to let stuff go public anymore and everything's going to stay internal. So I find that a little funny. But you go back to the the rumors and the reports around Kadri and you know being unhappy and this and that. He quickly snuffed out all that talk. He made it a non-story immediately in his first avail after that came out, and that kind of ties into this uh, players-only meeting where we're putting everything on lockdown. I don't, and know, I don't even know if it was that. I don't know if it was no. a players-only meeting, but if it was just meeting like, of the players or just like some sort of hey, let's before a game, coach isn't in the room. Maybe, who knows? But it seems like there was some sort of vocalization that enough of the BS. Well, and then just Kadri had to address the reports, and he did. And he did it in such a masterful way that you walked away from his availability going, well, that's the end of that story. And Kind of similar to what Huberdeau. happened with Huberto after Alan Walsh made his his first public overture in the whole thing, right? But it, it makes sense because you run through the list of things that have quote-unquote plague the Calgary Flames in, ter- in terms of riling up the media or, or drawing attention. You got Huberto, you got Kadri, you got the, the dealing of Jacob Peltier. They needed to, whether it was a, a players meeting or team meeting, whatever you want to call it, they needed to make sure that they were locked in together and squash all this outside noise or squash anything that can create outside noise because they really have one goal from here on out and that's to make the playoffs and if you can park all the distractions, you can focus on playing, you can focus on making up ground on the Winnipeg Jets, and everything else just fades into the background. Yeah, um, and we'll see what they can do. And they still are in a spot where they have to take care of their business, and I guess they need a little bit of help still from Winnipeg. Uh, but it feels like for the first time, I think all three teams in this conversation, you can make a pretty solid argument that, well, Calgary, Nashville, Winnipeg, all in control of their destiny. Because I'm pretty confident that if Nashville goes 8-for-8 eight eight to finish their season, that they'll get in. I'm pretty confident that if Calgary goes 7-for-7 seven seven down the stretch, which would be 9-for-9 nine nine to finish up, I'm pretty confident they'll get yep. in. And if the Jets go 7-for-7, seven seven, I know they'll get in. So everybody is, yes, in, in terms of, is, is in control of their own destiny. But, um, yeah, I, uh, it, it must feel nice to not feel like you need as much help 
and it must feel nice to know that you kind of call your own shot here. Now, you still got to go out and win games, and you still got to go out and likely win much more than you lose. Like, I don't think four and three is going to get it done for the Flames. Um, so you you still got to go out and, and win more than you lose, and I think still good chunk more than you lose. But they're in a decent spot. We've talked ad nauseum about the schedule. So I'm curious to see how they respond here. I'm curious to see how the Flames – because. The last thing before we end, and text lines open for you this hour, 960-960, if you're listening live. And the one thing that I am super fascinated about is, and we'll, we'll, we'll check in on the Jets and the Preds in just a second, but the Jets are clearly playing tight right now. There's no doubt about oh, yeah. it. They're, they're changing lines. They're getting peppered with tough questions. They've lost 13 of 20. No mojo. There's Yeah, so they're playing tight. And it's... Tough to play loose when you're tight. And so... Excellent. I Really, like, this is a ward... With, I'm, I What's the radio well, equivalent of a Pulitzer? Just give me tenure at Harvard. I'm, I'm that... I am that profound. Matt Coronado's got some pull there. You might get in. Yeah, Matty, I need some help. Um, what I'm really curious about now, because the Flames have been able... They've, they've been loose at practice. There's been... Are they going to be... Are they going to tighten up? And if that happens, what does that look like? Because I've seen this damn movie, whether it's this team or any other team, when all of a sudden you're out, you're way out, you're able to keep things positive, then you get back in it, and then all of a sudden pressure's back on. And pressure is back on all of a sudden for the Flames. How And, and maybe what we just heard from Elliot Friedman is the exact tonic that it takes so that they don't get tight and that they don't all of a sudden let the gravity of the situation, which was kind of second thought for a little bit, Maybe it can remain second thought and they can continue playing without that pressure being palpable for the rest of the season. I don't know. I'm just really curious to see how it plays out. Curious is the key word there for me. I'm very curious to see how they come out against the Vancouver Canucks on Friday because remember, this is still a team that hasn't won three in a row since early December. Like that's a long stretch to go without putting back-to-back-to-back wins together. And they've what won back-to-back twice since late January. So this is a team in dire need of putting a streak together. They have the opportunity here. They have the team that they're trying to catch reeling a little bit. They've got the team just behind them that stumbled somewhat over the course of the past 10 games. So there is an opportunity here for the Calgary Flames. Can they approach it with that loose mentality yeah. that we've seen, or are they going to tighten up? Um, so text line open at 960-960 on this Friday. Let's uh, let's check in on the other side of the playoff, Chase. And, and let's start, first of all, with the Winnipeg Jets, who, while the Flames have a huge game on the road against a Vancouver team that's not going to make it but still can absolutely hurt you. Oh, yeah. Winnipeg's in a very similar spot. The Jets have got a huge game at home to Detroit, a team that's not going to make it but still has talent that can absolutely hurt you. Now, the thing that's interesting about the Red Wings is that they're coming off a really tough back-to-back in Detroit on Thursday, then into Winnipeg for a road game on the Friday. But how's the... uh, How's the clenching going on inside that room? How's the uh, the gnashing of teeth? Here's uh, just a little bit from their Friday morning after morning skate avail. This is uh, Kyle Connor with reporters on Friday morning, unedited. This is uh, Chunk right Raw. in the middle. Three straight questions. I did not edit this to make it sound any different. I think that's really important to point out. Uh, this was uh, Kyle Connor speaking with the Winnipeg media on Friday morning. When you're trying to work your way out of a, a funk like the team is in, do you get the feeling or or the, the the responsibility that you need to try and be a spark for your team, or or how do you see it as a way of 
being like an individual trying to turn things around? I think everybody's kind of trying to come up with ways to do that individually. Um, we have our team game structure we want to play, but everybody's got to bring what they bring, what makes them great to, to the table tonight. That's what makes you know teams uh, successful as individuals. You know, obviously shining and, and doing what they do do great, and uh, you know that all meshes together to make a great team. Lowry um, said yesterday that uh, he thought th- th- it's not an example of this team that not everyone is going. He said that the team can be a little bit stubborn in the way that they play. D- does that resonate with you? That statement? No, I have no context, so I don't know. That's is that fair? I, I think what he's trying to say is that, you know the coach the other day was saying that some players are giving their all, some players are leaving something on the table, or if they don't think that they're dreaming. Adam said he doesn't think that that's the case where guys aren't giving their all, that some players are just rooted in playing a specific style of game than rather than getting on page with the overall team game. Does, does that resonate at all with you? Um, not really. I don't really have a comment on that. Yeah. Whoa, you're getting no comments on, on a game day. Oh, maybe the little um, tight, little tight. Maybe the, uh, the clenching is still going on. In and I, I hear it's hard to play loose when you're tight, so... From from Professor Steinberg, yeah, that's uh, that's that's his uh, life nugget for the day. Put it on a T-shirt. So yeah, no comment on a game day that is tight as can be, and they deserve to be tight. Winnipeg was leading the Western Conference in points as recently as January 18th. Since that day, they're 12, 16, and two for 26 points, which equates to a 4.33 winning percentage. That's seventh worst in the league out of 32 teams. They're seventh worst in gathering points since leading the conference. Now, granted, the Flames have only made up six points on Winnipeg during that stretch, going 13, 11, and six. But still, you were a conference leader, and now you're playing to the seventh worst pace league-wide. Well, and, and you know, maybe if you don't want to look at it from a Flames standpoint and what they've made up, the fact that they've left the door open for a Nashville team that traded away Matthias Ekholm and Nito 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 Rider to you. Granlund um, too. Mikhail Granlund. Like they traded away a bunch of faces and then don't have Forsberg or Yossi. And now Duchesne's out and Johansson's out. Like they're basically an American League team right now. And they're only three back of you with a game in hand still. And I know that their playoff odds are slim, and we'll talk about them in a second, but the fact that they've left the door open for Nashville is maybe a little more damning than them leaving the door open for Calgary because the Flames have been in this area the entire time, and they didn't sell off at the trade deadline. The Preds have been in and around this the whole time and did sell off, and the Jets haven't even been able to get separation there. Now, neither of the Flames, but the Flames weren't first place in the conference in January. So this has not been a collapse from Calgary the same way. It's been more of a meandering season. It's basically been a meandering river since Game 7 of the season when they lost to the Oilers. And here we are. They're still outside the playoffs and trying to get in. Whereas the Jets were, as you said, number one in the conference. I wrote off Nashville on March 3rd. Like they traded off those three pieces. And even when you look at it now, you mentioned they're down Yossi, Johansson, Duchesne, Forsberg. At the same time, that group of quote unquote, quoting Pat Steinberg here, group of AHLers, they lost to Pittsburgh on Thursday. Yes, but they beat Boston on Tuesday. That collection of players beat Boston. So you know that they can win any given night. Oh, I know. They're playing hard. I'm it's, just saying, like, the fact that they... And, and it's not like the Preds have been racking no. up wins at a breakneck pace here. They're 4-5-1 and one in their last 10. So they're last of the three contenders, if you and will, in terms of points. And they're still right there and breathing down Winnipeg's neck. Yes. And 
I'm still not writing them off. I made the mistake the first time, but at one point their biggest strength was their games at hand. Now they've only got one remaining. So when you talk about controlling your own fate and we did that on Thursday, well now if they win those games at hand, they're still going to be trailing the situation and they have the hardest strength of schedule amongst the three flames, easiest jets sort of in the middle of the pack, but it's just curious because you look and you go, okay, the flames have collected 12 points in the last 10 jets have gone 10 for 10. Predators have gone nine for 10. It's still very much any of those teams within their grasp to snag that second wild card spot. You're right. Uh, Nashville blank two nothing Thursday in Pittsburgh. I'd like to say that's it. And I know that Money Puck, who are where we both look at, has them at around 5% now. Is that what they're down to? I think they're down Ooh. to five after, after Thursday night. Um, Flames are just over 30, and the Jets are just over 60 when it comes to the playoff odds at Money Puck. Um, I still can't write them off because they they still okay the, the 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 three things that have me saying no I can't completely write the Preds off. Number one, you just mentioned Tuesday's win over Boston, yeah. and I know that Boston's playing out the string and all that, and Boston just barely got by Columbus on Thursday night, had to go to overtime to beat them, but they still went into Boston at TD Garden and essentially shut them out, and that's impressive. So that's one. Number two, they've got the game in hand at this point. It was three. It's down to one. But the thing that just worries me is if if they stay close, they've got those two games at the end of the season before uh, after uh, everybody else is done playing. And that is what... Can you imagine winning back-to-back after everyone's idle and just... That's definitely going through the front door. You're not sneaking in the back door to claim a playoff spot if you're the Nashville Predators and you're in that situation. So Calgary plays their final game on April 12th. The Jets play their final game the following day, Thursday, April 13th. Uh, Nashville, on the other hand, uh, has a game against Minnesota on Thursday the 13th and then a game against the Avalanche on Friday the 14th. So back-to-backs to close it out. Friday the 14th. Uh, and for the Preds, uh, both those games are at home because remember they had the flood, so they had to reschedule two yes. games. Which I just it didn't even register to me as like, okay, they're ready. Like I didn't care when it, not that I didn't care, but it's like okay, like that's that's happening. They have to reschedule games in Bridgestone Arena, blah blah blah. I did not think it would have any impact on Calgary season, and yet here it is. It could, it could, and and maybe the Flames will be four points ahead of them and it won't matter, but yeah, that's why I can't write the Preds off. As much as they look like they're having trouble stringing wins together like all these teams are, and they have the worst odds and the now probably the most difficult path to get in, but I, I still can't completely write them off. Just worth noting that the Winnipeg Jets have the regulation win tiebreaker over both Calgary and Nashville. When it comes to just Calgary and Nashville, Calgary's at 28 regulation wins. Nashville's at 27. They're both tied with 32 regulation and overtime wins. So in terms of the tiebreaker between those two teams trying to fight in, they're absolutely neck and neck. So we'll be curious to see how things play out from that perspective because as it stands right now, yes, the Flames are a couple points back of Winnipeg, but Winnipeg holds each of the first two tiebreakers. So you almost have to leapfrog them as opposed to just drawing even with yeah. them. Yep, for sure. Um Okay, let's uh, let's t- read some texts at nine sixty nine sixty. This one, a couple chirping vickers. Oh yeah. I, oh, it? did I miss one? I saw one. I... So this one says, uh, "Yeah, you wrote Nashville off because you're a homer." Yeah, you homer. Yeah, big flames guy. 
hey, it bodes well for them to get in the playoffs, but I've really usually, kind of... Usually I'm the one that gets called. Well, I've, I've kind of been firmly... I'm the, negative, in, I'm the negative, soft homer that is too mean to people somehow. I, I've got I don't know how that works. But me neither, but that's ask the text line depending on the day. I've been firmly in the uh, corner of the Winnipeg Jets to this point right. in terms of everything happening with that second wild card spot. Still am to a degree. I mean, they still are the ones that are hold the fate. They drive the bus here on this. Just so happens that they've kind of hit the skids of late. Well, not really of late of the last couple of months, but still. Uh, Steven Traffic. Hey, guys, Flames won't make it. I'll see you all at the ship later. Uh, maybe not on Friday, but potentially on Saturday. No game on Ooh. Saturday night. Uh, this from Chris in Norquist, Saskatchewan. Maybe the Flames had a meeting like the scene in Major League where after they were told the team was going to be blown up, they decided to go out and win the whole <laughs> trucking thing. Great movie. Here's hoping this is the case. Very, uh, very well could say, could win say that. Win the whole effing thing. Uh, trucking thing. Come on. Come on. Uh, the, here's the other one. Um, chirping you. says, Pat, can you ask Vickers if the Flames have won three in a row since December? Just wondering for a friend. That's from Kyle. Hi, Kyle. You, I don't. I don't know. Have you mentioned that a lot? Probably every time I'm on. Okay. Uh, so wait, wait. Somebody said I was a Flames homer, and somebody chirped me for for yes. bringing See, out the fact that, that the means, Calgary Flames haven't been able to win three in a row in that means three you're months. Doing a good job. Oh, if you're annoying everybody, you're exactly. doing right. I like it. Uh, Cade and High River. I think Kyle Connor's got the wrong definition of team. Yeah, they don't seem like a super cohesive group right now. Uh, this reads three teams. This is the Flames playoffs. It starts now for them. And honestly, it's it's probably it probably started before this stretch. Like it's been that way. Their playoffs have been on for quite some time. And then finally, from Mike, uh, and this dawned on me Thursday after the Oilers beat LA. The Kings after going twelve straight without um, dropping a point or without losing in regulation have now lost back to back in regulation. Uh, Mike says, "Is anyone else a little frightened? The Oilers end up first, and the Flames end up eighth. And it ends up being an unlikely backdoor playoff battle of Alberta. Oh, yes. That dawned on me. I texted Wilsey about that on, on Thursday. And I was like, you know, it could be the Flames and Oilers in round one if Calgary gets in. Because Edmonton is rolling right now. They just set a record for wins in a month with 12 in the month of March. Why wouldn't you want that matchup? I mean, regardless of well, what think, side you're on, like if you're f- afraid of the Oilers, sure, by all means, but you I should always cheer for a battle of Alberta. I think that's why, though, because the Oilers did what they did in May to the Flames, and and on top of that, um, McDavid's even at an even higher level than he was in last year's playoffs. Well, I think that they've got the three of the top six scorers in the league. And right, Stuart Skinner just set a franchise record for the Oilers for wins in a month with ten, surpassing Fuhr, Sallow. Um, Mike Smith and another one who have, seems to be escaping me at the moment, but I mean, they're a good team. I know. Ekholm, why... To me, Ekholm's given them a little bit of a, exactly what they needed when they acquired him before the trade deadline. Agreed. So, but you should always, always root for the battle of Alberta, regardless if, if Edmonton's first Calgary's last to get in the playoffs or vice versa, you should always cheer for it. I, I don't, I can understand if you're a flames fan and would like to avoid that. And I think that you're, I think that your advice is uh, poor if you're a fl- if you're a Flames fan in that mindset. I I think that you're giving poor advice. Huh. And as a Harvard tenured professor, soon to be, soon to be. Sorry, they emailed me, and I'm in. My boy's wicked smart. Wicked smart. Uh, I'm gonna be like, I'm gonna be like Charlie and Always Sunny when he pretends to be Matt Damon in Goodwill Hunting at the frat house. That's what I'm gonna be. 
as opposed to actually being Matt Damon. I can see it. Uh, Steinberg and Vickers with you as we're under. Can you tell that I've been binging all week, Sonny? Uh, it's Steinberg and Vickers with you. Uh, we're coming at you on this hour of Flames Talk from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Crack Foundation, Boeing Foundation Walls. They have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They're all things basement Visit dlbasementsystems.com. Hey, it's George Russick. And Matty Rose. We host the big show with Russick and Rose. If you miss us weekday mornings on Sportsnet 960 to fan, first of all, shame on you. Second of all, download the podcast on demand. So many places that you can find the podcast wherever you get your favorite NHL, NFL, CFL, MLB, the stories that sports fans in Calgary want to hear. We got it for you. We are the big show. Anything and everything Calgary Flames. It's all on Flames Talk. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, time for our Friday Daily Flames Roundtable. Brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills, where they appreciate you for trusting them with your vehicle. Mercedes-Benz Country Hills, just minutes from the Calgary Airport. It's Steinberg, Aaron Vickers, and now the voice of the Flames, Derek Wills, joins us to complete our Daily Flames Roundtable. Okay, gents, big weekend ahead. Both the Flames and the Jets play on Friday and Sunday, but let's talk specifically about the Flames. Uh, They've got a game Friday night in Vancouver, then Sunday night at home to the Anaheim Ducks. Seven games to go, less than two weeks remaining in the season, and a red-hot three-team race for one playoff spot to round out the Western Conference postseason picture. So, guys, let's start with kind of uh, the negative and then finish the positive or or however you want to frame it, but kind of two questions on either side of that spectrum. Number one. What's what's your biggest concern for the Flames in this final seven game stretch, or what's their biggest roadblock in being able to track down a playoff spot? A lack of consistency all season, and they're going to have to be more consistent in their final seven games than they were in their first. I take the last couple of games off because they won those two, but you know, for a good chunk of the season, uh, for a good chunk of the first seventy three games, this was a team that was consistently inconsistent and they're going to have to be consistently consistent and consistently good in their final seven games to get in they can probably get away with splitting with the Canucks as long as they win the games that they definitely should win versus the Ducks and the Blackhawks at home uh, against the Predators and the Sharks at home although that Predators game might be uh, tougher than uh, you'd think. Uh, they yeah, were kinda, the three of their top players. Kind of to put that as a game they should win, hey? Well, I, I still think they should win it. I mean, you're playing a Predators team that potentially will be without their best player in Roman Yossi and then two of their other top players in Philip Forsberg and Matt Duchesne. So how the Predators are hanging around with their schedule and without those three guys uh, uh, leaves me shaking my head. But uh, to this point, they have. I'm not convinced that they will still be in the race come uh, April the 10th, but we'll have to wait and see. But you've got to beat the Ducks, you've got to beat the Blackhawks, and you've got to beat the Sharks. They're all closer to getting the most ping-pong balls in the Connor Bedard sweepstakes than they are to a playoff spot. All three of those games are at home. You've lost to all three of those teams, so there's no excuse to take them lightly. So just beating the teams that they should beat, which has been a problem for this team at times this season, would be the biggest roadblock for me because I think if they could win those three games, split with the Canucks, and then beat the Jets and probably beat the Predators, they're likely going to get into the dance. I'm mad at you, Wilsey, because I had the word consistency written down before you started speaking. So you stole <laughs> my answer. 
But to me, it just comes down to that. They've got to shake that win-one-lose-one formula that they've played with for the most part this season. They've yet to string anything together that resembles a long winning streak. They haven't won back-to-back games in quite some time. They haven't won three games in a row and even longer. I'm scared to say the uh, actual dates out loud to not rile up the text line a little bit, but I'm going to anyways. Haven't won three in a row since December 3rd and 7th and haven't... Sorry, they've won back-to-back games twice now since late January, so there's that stretch but you really need to put something together over the course of the final games of the regular season if you're the Calgary Flames because simply playing 500 hockey isn't going to get you in, whether it's the Nashville Predators that jump you, whether it's the Winnipeg Jets that stay and hold the spot, 500 just isn't going to do it down the stretch for me. The thing that that worries me the most, guys, or or I don't know, worries is the wrong word, but that, that would uh, be the biggest roadblock is, is just what I've seen so many times in this league, and that is a team that falls out of it and has been out of it for a good chunk of time and then works their way back into it, and it takes a lot to work your way back into it, and the Flames have done that in the standings, and then once you're back and once the pressure's really back on, all of a sudden it gets hard again, and you fall back. I've seen it multiple times with this team covering them over the last 10 plus years, like 2010, sorry, 2011, 2012, 2015, 2017. It's, it's happened many times watching this group before. Now there's a different group. So I don't know that the past is any, well, I know that the past has anything to do with it, but I've seen it so many times and it's not just a Calgary thing. It's around the league. You work your way back into it. You're close. Then all of a sudden the pressure's back on and you fall right back out of it, or you don't get it done, and it becomes a little bit more difficult. You're gripping it. It's tight. You're not playing loose anymore. So that that is what concerns me the most. I don't know if it's going to happen, and the Flames have got to go out of their way to make sure it doesn't happen, but just because it happens all the time in this league, that would be the thing that, that uh, would be the biggest roadblock for me. Isn't it crazy that it's been almost four months since the Flames won three straight games? And they're still very much in the fight for a playoff spot. Yes. I mean, that's unbelievable. It really is. And probably says as much about the teams around them as it does about them. But that's crazy. The other thing that worries me, guys, and I didn't notice this. I probably should have because I did notice that the stalls have been rearranged a little bit. But Ryan Pike reported yesterday that Chris Tanev no longer has a stall in the Flames dressing room. So that's probably not a good indication that he's going to be back sooner rather than later. Uh, That could change the next time we're in there, which uh, will be on Sunday morning. Maybe he will have a stall again. But, you know, Pike uh, noticed a couple of days ago or yesterday that uh, must have been two days ago because we weren't in there yesterday that he didn't have a stall in there. So that's considering as well. He is their best defensive defenseman. He's their best penalty-killing skater. He has proven time after time after time that he can play through almost anything played at a probably 40 to 50% when he came back in that second round series versus the Oilers last year and still found a way to impact that series in a positive way. So being without uh, one of their top four defensemen and their best defensive defensemen and their best penalty, penalty killer, that could uh, catch up with the Flames. But uh, Michael Stone's uh, healthy again, so that uh, gives you another option back there and uh, hopefully they can get uh, through without Chris uh, for as long as he's out. Uh, Daily Flames Roundtable with Derek, Aaron, and Pat. On the other hand, what's uh, the number one reason or the biggest reason that gives you confidence that they'll be there when it's all said and done? I have three reasons. Can I have three? 
The I'll number, give you three. What's the number one of the three reasons? Well, one A is their schedule. <laughs> they have well played. one of the easiest schedules in the league. So they've got two games against the Canucks. Now, those games I don't think are going to be easy. As a matter of fact, the gut feeling that I've got is that they win in Vancouver tonight. If they beat the Canucks tonight, the Flames are going to go into next Wednesday's game in Winnipeg, that big game against the Jets with a season-long five-game winning streak. Being able to get over the hump and finally win a third straight game could be huge for this team, but their schedule is very favorable, especially in comparison to the Predators who have, well, right now they've got uh, what is ranked as the fifth hardest schedule, but they play three division leaders. They also play uh, two teams out of the Central Division who uh, could be division leaders before all is said and done. And they've got really only one quote-unquote easy game against a non-playoff team, with that team being the Blues. They're not going to get in. But their other game against a non-playoff team is the Flames. So that's not going to be an easy game for them. And the Jets' schedule is right in the middle of the pack. I think when I looked earlier today, it was ranked 14th hardest in the NHL. So the Flames have two games against the Canucks, who do have the fifth most wins and or fourth most wins and fifth best point percentage in the NHL since the start of March. They're 10-3-1. So those games aren't going to be easy. But if you can get a split, that would probably be good. But then you're home against the Ducks, home against the Blackhawks, on the road versus the Jets, home against the Predators, and home against the Sharks. So a very easy schedule uh, if they can take advantage of that. Uh, 1B would be their opponent schedules. I, I'll just throw that in there. And then 1C would be just the vibe around the team right now. Guys, and, and I tweeted this out yesterday, and Pat, you and I talked about it. Yesterday's practice just felt different to me. It, it sounded different. It looked different. Uh, the guys had a lot of jump in their step. Uh, they were way chattier than they normally are at practice. I, I am really getting the sense that this team is starting to believe that it can A, get in, and B, do some damage if they do get in. So now that there's some belief building and some confidence building, and if they can win tonight, some momentum building, those are three intangibles this team hasn't had a lot of this season. Good news, Wilsey. You didn't step on my reason, so I'm quite happy about Perfect. that. <laughs> the number one reason I'm confident in the Flames' playoff chances is the Winnipeg Jets. They're 26 overall since January 18th with a 433 win percentage. At that time, they had the most points in the Western Conference. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. They've been struggling. You hear any audio clip coming out of the Jets' room or from the Jets' coach, and it seems like a little bit of a disconnected bunch. Their record shows it. 5-5-0 five, five in the last 10 None of those three teams, the Flames, the Jets, or the Nashville Predators, have been world beaters over the course of the past 10 games, but specifically the Winnipeg Jets and how they're gripping the stick, playing tight, playing disconnected. My optimism lies more in the fact of the Jets situation and how they've struggled versus the Calgary Flames and maybe putting something together. Wow. I mean, one from you and then the 17 answers from Wilsey, and I still <laughs> haven't got – you guys haven't taken mine. Did, we um, didn't take yours? No. Better. No. I, honestly, guys, the thing that gives me the most confidence about this group, I mean, I do like the way they're playing as a team. So it's not like the the thing that I'm going to point to has been the sole reason why they've been able to, you know, pick up points in a lot of their games of late and have wins in three of their last four. But the the way Jacob Markstrom is playing and the way that he's carrying himself, yeah. uh, it just, that's what gives me the most confidence. Because 
it was, I believe, the beginning of March. So here we are talking on the final day of March. I think it was March 1st when Daryl Sutter used the, the phrase, we need Marky to get hot. It was after the Feb 28 loss to Boston where they played so well but lost the game. And that was uh, when Vladar got pulled after 20 minutes of play. And since that time, Markstrom has done just that. He's had two nights in the month of March that he was not on it. And it wasn't like it was just on him, the Dallas game and the LA game, but every other game he's, he's gone beyond just like giving him a chance to win and giving him average goaltending. He's given them top level, number one type goaltending. And he's, uh, you're you're giving me a, uh, well. He's got a nine oh three save percentage and a two eight nine goals against in March. I I yeah. Take away the L A and the Dallas games. And well, I mean, see okay. Happens. Well, let's take these out and put these ones in. But that's... The, you're that, but that's exactly my point. He's had two. He's had two rough games. Like you're making my point for me that he's had two rough games and otherwise he's been one of the top goalies. The well, one of the top performances we've seen from the group so far this year. I love the way he's playing. I love the games going into those two, and I've really liked it since the LA game. So that would be uh, that would be my reasoning the way that uh, the way that he's played. Six of those thirteen games, he's at a sub nine hundred save percentage. You're still you still haven't changed my. Uh, and opinion. I'm not trying to. I'm just trying to add a little layer of context as you're to why just, I disagree with you. You just don't like Jacob Markstrom. I'm just I'm a homer. Pat's that's side. a Debbie Downer. That's I'm going to take Pat's I, side. I, I think Jacob Markstrom has been the Flames' best player in the month of March. That's my personal opinion. Well, another, I don't care what the numbers facial, say. Another facial expression from Vixie on that one. Well, yeah. throw those two games out. He, he has given the team a chance to win every other game that he's played, and he won one of those two games we're talking about. So uh, that would be reason one D, D. for me. What, I like one, yours one Q. as well, Aaron. One Q. I can't wait to you, get to one Z here. <laughs> you're, uh, Z, sorry. You, you talking about the Jet struggles would be one E for me. One F for me. <laughs> reason one F would be Nazem Kadri. We're going to need to use think... the German alphabet where they've got like two or three experts. <laughs> <laughs> Nazem Kadri, one F. Uh, because I think his game is trending in the right direction as well. He's another player who we've talked about having to find his game to give the Flames a chance. I've liked his last four games, and it's not just what he's doing with the puck, it's what he's doing without the puck. He's been a good 200-foot player for the Flames in the last four games, and if that continues, then uh, I really like their chances heading down the stretch. Anything I don't have a 1G. I was I hoping you had something else, Willie. <laughs> I was hoping you would be able to stall me some time as I'm dragging this out right now. You, just have, for... a, uh, you have a rebuttal on that? Um, not yet. I'm working on it. Might be a Only minute. Jacob Markstrom alone, will you? It's 328 shot attempts in the games that we're talking about. 2, 5, 9, 11, 12, 16, 18, 21, 24, 25. So 303. Divided by 328. Got a 924 in the games that are outside of those two that I mentioned. And including and all, including that. all of those games among goalies who have played at least five starts, you, he's 20th you're, in the league you're allowed, in save percentage. You're allowed to take out the two rough starts and say he's been really good. I will say this. Two. He has been a lot better, significantly better in the month of March than he has leading into it. So I my, will concede that. My point was, you take those two games out, he's given them great goaltending for the better part of March. And, I will agree with that. And am I cherry picking? I guess you can accuse me of that, but I think that those two games were a product of fatigue. He got his rest, and I think that it's fair to say you take those out. He's a 924 goaltender in the month of uh, in the month of March. If he gives them that down the stretch, I like their odds of making the playoffs. Yep. I will say that. Yep. Here's what I'm going to leave you with. 
Aaron Vickers is to Jacob Markstrom what Ryan Pinder Whoa. was to Mike Smith. Whoa. Whoa. Not at all, because Whoa. I backed Markstrom as a Vesna candidate last season, and <laughs> I've always said he can round back into that form. Okay. I, I like I Jacob Markstrom. too far. For the record. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that was uh, I'm hurt. That was a fun, spirited edition of the Daily Flames Round Table. I like that. Uh, thanks, Wellesie. <laughs> All right. Have a great weekend. Should be a great game tonight. Uh, should be. That's uh, Derek Wells. He's uh, Aaron Vickers. I'm Pat Steinberg. And that is your Daily Flames Round Table, brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills, where they appreciate you for trusting them with your vehicle. Mercedes-Benz Country Hills, just minutes from the Calgary airport. I like this one. Um How's Vic's Markstrom glass broken on the floor? Jeez. Hey, I like Jacob Markstrom as my starting goalie. I'm not even going to pretend I don't. I'm just saying you can't cherry pick those two games out and be like, oh, look at this. I will say he has been decided. Why he has been, can't I? Because you got to take the work as a whole. You can't just be like, oh, I'm going to pull out this. But I'm like not, if you take out I'm saying seven different had, games throughout the course of the I'm year, he's probably that. a 9 I said in the month of March, yeah. he's had two rough outings back to back when he was clearly fatigued. He got the rest, and every other game when he hasn't been fatigued, he's got a 924. Like, that's not that's not me just selecting and taking out every bad game in the year and saying, well, it's not what I'm doing. I'm just saying that in the body of work that he's had in the month of March, we started 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 13 games in the month of March, 11 of the 13, he's given them more than a chance to win, and in 11 of the 13, he's a 924. Those two games, back-to-back, Dallas and Los Angeles, where... He clearly was tired. He wasn't as good. That's all I'm saying. Well, I mean, against Arizona, he allows four on 25, four on 33 against Dallas earlier in the month. Like, there's, I, I concede the point that he has been exceptional through the month of March. I just don't like the necessarily cherry picking certain things out. We can agree to disagree on that. Jacob Markstrom, if he plays to that 924 the rest of the way, confident that they'd make the playoffs. Uh, <laughs> We, we got him fired up. Uh, Pat's being a homer, guys, picking his stats. Ha ha. That's a joke. I agree with Vickers. Don't cherry pack or this. That's right. You tell him, Pat. Um, so, just to be fair, Vickers this... doesn't go out of his way <laughs> to try to model his look and attitude after Markstrom like Pender, Pinder does with Smith. because I don't have any hair. Good point. And also, that's a good point. Uh, wrapping up this hour with our Flames Talk Best Bets. Best bet? Aaron Vickers does not own a Jacob Markstrom jersey. Um, also, our Flames Talk Best Bets, brought to you by <laughs> Bodog.net. Find your next favorite game at Bodog.net. Hashtag make a play. Free play only. 18 plus. Play responsibly. We're just uh, we're just dodging grenades all over the place now. So. Really split on the text Cease line all of a fire. sudden. Cease fire. Um, here's what I got for you. We actually uh, went two and one, so we're back to 500 on the week. So we've got an opportunity to finish strong uh, on Thursday night. Hit Pasternak over four and a half shots. Hit Bjorkstrand over two and a half shots. Missed Evangelista over two and a half shots. So we're five and five on the week. Here's what I got for you to wrap up on your Friday. I've got a parlay on the Flames. Elias Lindholm, Tyler Toffoli, both very, very good career-wise against the Canucks. And on top of that, both playing some really good hockey. So I've got a parlay over half a point each for Lindholm and Toffoli. So basically parlaying that both Lindholm and Toffoli record a point on Friday night in Vancouver. So that is one bet. And then two shot props. I've got Jason Robertson of the Stars over three and a half on the road in Arizona. And Chris Kreider of the Rangers over two and a half 
versus Buffalo. So parlay to Foley and Lindholm, each with a point. If you can find your same game parlays, depending on where you get them, Jason Robertson over three and a half shots and Chris Kreider over two and a half shots. I'm going the whole account on the over on Jacob Markstrom's 25 and a half saves. Full port, let's go. Jacob Markstrom over on saves against the Vancouver Canucks. Over? Yeah. Wow, okay. I believe in him. Okay. If he plays to a 924 save percentage, this team's going places. Um, And that'll do it for the hour. Thanks to Taylor. Thanks to Cam. Thanks to Wilsey. Thanks to Vickers. Um, And my name is Pat. That'll do it for our Flames Talk Best Bets. Brought to you by Bodog.net. Find your next favorite game at Bodog.net. Hashtag make a play. Free play only. 18 plus. Play responsibly.